Chris Gauza here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss the latest content from Disney. It's Lightyear. Matt, it's the movie Andy saw that inspired his love for Buzz Lightyear, the character, and the toys. Is it a fitting sort of origin for Buzz? And where is poor, poor Tim Allen? That is time for us to grow up, I think, Matt, just a little bit more by the latest coming-of-age film, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. This time, Matt, a young man is adrift after college and falls for an older woman who has her own personal challenges. It's a heartfelt, hilarity kind of movie thing we've seen a couple times, but maybe now it's different. And then Matt and I are going to have a quick discussion, Matt, and I'm, I'm ambushing you on this one. We both watched Fathom's, I'm going to say in air quotes, presentation of the thing in its 40th anniversary kind of celebration thing. There's the interstellar review of the big releases on physical media, featuring your streaming and straight to DVD picks of the week. And then finally, Matt and I will close out the big show by sharing our five favorite Pixar characters. I got to admit, Matt, I don't think you should uh, hold out hope for lightning the queen making an appearance folks. No, that's a bold statement. Very oh. presumptuous of you. Oh, we'll have to see then. Anyway, uh, vroom, vroom. It's uh, the first run. So let's start everything off, Matt, with a clip from Lightyear. Hello, Buzz. Ah! I am Socks, your personal companion robot. My what? I was issued by Star Command to ease your emotional transition after your time away. Oh, well, that's very considerate of you, robot feline, but no thank you. I'm afraid it's protocol. Sensors indicate you've missed four birthdays. Would you like a frosted snack cake to celebrate? Negative. That would compromise my nutritional regimen. We can talk about your feelings. I am an excellent listener. No, no, look. I've had a very long day. It did not go as planned. The mission was unsuccessful? Affirmative. Oh, no. I am so sorry to hear that. Thank you, Sox. You're welcome, Buzz. So, Matt, we get the adaptation of the story of how Andy became a big fan of the character Buzz Lightyear, right? Mm -hmm. Is that basically? Mm -hmm. So generally, what is Lightyear all about? Buzz Lightyear is a member of a, I guess, like a colonization crew. Um, there is a basically a bunch of scientists and colonists in, in hypersleep. He and his commanding officer... Get a, come across a planet, they decide to go check it out and stop, and through circumstances they get trapped there. The rest of the story is him trying to escape um, using hyperspace, but pesky relativity starts coming into play, and as he attempts every jump so they can get home, the time passes further and further on the people left on the planet below. Bad times. So this is the first full directorial debut for uh, Angus McLean. He had previously co-directed Finding Nori, uh, as part of the uh, Pixar universe. And this one isn't, Matt, unfortunately, doesn't seem to be performing that well. Mm -hmm. And I think the issue may be, I don't think it's because Buzz went woke, which is, you know, the uh, trolls of the uh, internet are saying, and we can talk maybe a little bit about that. But for me, I think, Matt, Lightyear feels like content to me. Mm -hmm. And I, I appreciate that that word basically has a negative connotation now. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, I mean, I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary. I kind of, Pixar has seemed to kind of release these filler films um, every so often. I mean, we get at least one every year or two. Cars 2, mm -hmm. Finding Dory. I mean, I think these are things that we don't really need. Um, so we kind of 
waffle between, you know, these kind of groundbreaking or the kind of things we expect from Pixar. And then we get these kind of middling, middle of the road entries. And I think this is just one of those. I think it's the animation's really well done. I think it's a relatively straightforward, um, enjoyable, generic action sci-fi flick. But I think there's a lot of missed opportunities here. It just brings nothing new to the table. Now, it feels to me like kind of straight Disney Plus content. I know mm. they'd shifted away, right, from doing that Disney Plus exclusivity or then turning it around really quickly, at least now. But mm. this feels like something developed for a streaming service to me. It feels almost like an elongated bonus feature, like they have sometimes have, oh, it's a brand new cartoon or animated thing included on the Blu-ray's you know, anniversary set of Toy Story 4, UHD, all four films in one pack type of thing, right? It sure. doesn't have this full-fledged feature film feel to it to me i mean it's fine it's enjoyable enough it just feels kind of just i don't know just not fully realized to me Mm. i think where they missed a big opportunity whereas this if this is supposed to be the film that got andy into the buzz lightyear toy and if the first story toy story took place in the early 90s mid 90s this would have been a lot better if it had like the kind of feel of like an early nineties, late eighties sci-fi movie. I think there was a lot of opportunity there. Um, but this kind of just feels like a, like a modern sci-fi action or kind of thing. And I think, uh, they could have had a lot of fun with that. I think it would have been interesting to see, but they just decided not to go there. Oh, that's an interesting idea. What was the one with, uh, Matt Damon did the voice on? Was it a bloom Don bloom film too? Or like one of the last ones? Or Bluth, I should say. Is it right? What's the one with Matt Damon? Either way. <laughs> I generally agree with you, though I think most of the American animation during that time for those kind of movies were not terribly good. So I wouldn't know right. if I would have wanted to have seen that part of it. Mm-hmm. But maybe to have kind of a style or kind of something reminiscent of that time would have been at least interesting. I think Chris Evans does a fine job of voicing Buzz in this. I think he... Yeah expands and honors Tim Allen's portrayal of the role. I do Mm. think, and I had read this at some place that Evans kind of is able to bring a wider emotional range Mm -hmm. than uh, Allen did to the character. So, and I I do feel that here. I think that we Taika Waititi plays uh, in this film as well, but he feels to me kind of like somebody doing an impression of Taika. Then it Mm -hmm. does feel him himself. I don't know if he's just limited by the script and that it's a Pixar Disney movie. I, I don't know. Sure. But that felt kind of a little lesser of him for me. I think Kiki Palmer as Izzy Hawthorne was fine as well. I think maybe one of the standouts for me, one of the ones I enjoyed the most, would be Socks, his robotic robotic cat companion. Yeah, yeah, it like will Sox. be an honorable mention for me in our uh, Pixar <laughs> characters, our favorite Pixar right. characters. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 okay. It's okay. What do you think about the big? air quotes, twist uh, the reveal of the villain at the end. And how do you think that impacts the uh, Toy Story universe, if at all? What is it in Toy Story 3 where they, or maybe it's Toy Story 4, I don't remember which one it was, but they do the, spoiler alert, Empire Strike Back ripoff where Zerg is, is Buzz's father kind of thing. So I was wondering how they were going to bring that into play. I'm kind of a little disappointed that it lean into that, mm-hmm. but it's fine, I guess. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but uh, I just kind of went with it. Everybody's got their multiverse and and uh, you know different timelines thing going. Thanks, Unless Marvel. I thought they were gonna go with this was an alternate universe route that he had actually jumped universes in one of his uh, light speed tests. That mm-hmm. and I was running with that because of the the sandwich change, how it's meat bread meat instead of yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> the traditional bread, 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 and meat bread. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's. I was. I don't know if I was a little disappointed they didn't run that down. I just. I don't know. They kind of lead you down that path, and then I thought with the reveal at the end, I thought that maybe. Oh, that's definitely where we're going. But no, mm. no, it's it's not no. where we're going at all. Yeah. Um, I agree with you that the animation I think is top notch, but I think that's really one of the best things, unfortunately, about it. I think the twist and Buzz's ultimate growth, if you will, at the mm-hmm. end feels kind of slight uh, mm-hmm. and much like the entire film did to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, there's no kind of deeper Pixar message here. There's not that many laughs. It's it's. Just kind of a run-of-the-mill film. I don't think it's bad. I mean, I think no, I'm not gonna, bad. I think I'd give it what? I think I'm gonna give it a B minus. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna reveal my grade because I still have one more thing to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on my reveal. I should say. Okay. Uh, there's a little bit too. So there's some discussions on the internet about the you know Lightyear went woke, so that's why no one's going to see it because there is a a gay couple in mm-hmm. the scene that I think they sh- share a kiss and then they have a kid. Mm-hmm. which you know so i guess wow i'm gonna really blow our minds on that but i love that disney the way they do it is that i guess they insert lgbtq content right but they make it they silo it enough that they can pull it out for mm. uh markets that would find it we'll just put it disagreeable okay <laughs> right so um I, I'm of two minds on this, man. I'm curious where you are. Because A, mm-hmm. it feels a bit like pandering to me at times. If you can make, so easily just rip it out of the movie, and it won't really make any difference either way. Yeah. Or B, I'm, listen, I get they're a gigantic global corporation, and they want to get as many butts in the seats as possible, right? Which mm-hmm. is why they don't want to unsettle or uns- upset any uh, potential audience goers. So I think it's still nice and important that they do it here i mean i guess you start at home where it's a little bit you can have a little bit more influence i guess and then maybe you work up to it in those particular uh international markets but i don't know see i'm with two minds i'm like you're gonna go for it go for it take a stand but then that's not what corporations are about really yeah well i think in this particular case i mean if it had been a traditional or you know a heterosexual relationship, I don't think it would have made any difference at all. It's really just to kind of put a pin in it so that we can get the kind of later Hawthorne granddaughter character. That's all it is. So I mean, well, I think in a in a regular world, you want to be you want to have those relationships to be as normal and as boring as your traditional heterosexual relationships. You you know, you just want that to be, oh, it's just a part of life. That's what it is. Yeah. Right? And that's and that's the way, I think the way it was presented for the kind of quote-unquote importance of the role and the relationship regardless, I think it's fine. I mean, I think it did exactly what you said it just did. It's like they needed to get the granddaughter character in here. They made it as just kind of like an unspoken thing. Nobody mentions it. It seems completely normal. It just kind of goes through with it. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a background thing but i mean it's kind of a background character after the first act is not really there anymore yeah and i think it would be pandering and i think the the trolls would have a point if like later on you know in the movie with Lightyear and izzy she's like remember Lightyear, man with my parents remember they were both gay and you know like if it was <laughs> if they kind of really tried to you know shoehorn yeah. it in they sure. would be like all right come on right. but i think it's part of it it's why it's a double-edged sword for me it's great to see it 
but it bothers me that it just exists in such a small kind of siloed version that they can just delete it from the film and it has no impact. But then you want it to be traditionally just, yeah, that's just the way things are. So what's the big deal, right? So it's, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can tell you. I'm torn on it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's better that they left it in. I mean, granted. Absolutely. I think it's the bitter, the bigger idea is, you know, is, you know, going, is Disney going to release it into some of those markets? I mean, is it Disney who seems less inclined to play ball with China anymore? I don't know. I I remember there were some, I thought it was Disney with the Marvel movies. They weren't releasing them in China anymore. China was refused to to they're like mm-hmm. kind of in a, a tiff you know so maybe it's just more of that maybe they're getting more to the point where we lose you know 10 million dollars here or whatever because we can't put it in that um, market then that's fine i don't know maybe that's the way it should be possibly yeah i'm not I, i'm not sure so okay i guess that's really all i had to say about Lightyear. i'm with matt i actually gave it a b minus as well i know with a bully over with a feather with that one matt and i had such divergent scores both with b minuses but yeah, no, Lightyear, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine, Matt. If you had a chance to see Lightyear, shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com. And uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts. Matt, I want to spend a minute and talk about something that I've really been looking forward to for about a month now. I think you were the one that pointed it out to me. Mm-hmm. And I got very excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I bought my ticket. And then I got to watch one of my all-time favorite films in the theater. Why am I in here? Are you on protection? How you doing, old boy? Trust. I know what you mean, Blair. Trust's a tough thing to come by these days. Tell you what, why don't you just trust in the Lord? So, Matt, I think I've seen my last Fathom event film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to go see The Thing, 40th anniversary presentation, and mm-hmm. I've been really looking forward to this. It is my favorite horror film, and I've never seen it in the theaters. So I thought this was a great opportunity. What about you? Have you seen it in the theaters before in any kind of revival opportunity? I have not, no. So I was kind of jumping at the chance. And I don't know how your experience was. I'm going to start by saying I got myself a nice tall boy. I was very excited of sitting down in my seat. Uh, A young man and his family walked in and he showed me his phone. And he said, you know, uh, you're actually in my seat. I have H8, 9, and 10. So I said, oh, that's interesting. I pulled up my app and I showed him, hey, I have H10. So yeah. uh, my seat got double booked to start okay. off. Nice. And then the gentleman below, behind me in his row, they double sold his seat as well. Now, thankfully, oh, okay. there was a total of like 10, 15 people in the theater. So yeah. I just moved over a seat. You know, I was, everything yeah. was fine. But yeah. interesting, point one. Yeah, point okay. two, movie starts. And house lights, the cleaning lights, not just the house, the cleaning lights are still on. Okay. All right. So I go and I find an usher and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, no. With these, they don't automatically turn off because the problem is it's like a satellite feed. It's not like they have a physical disc or like a USB stick or whatever sure. it is where they get sure. the digital files now. It's a satellite okay. uplink. Okay. So he set an alarm in his phone to walk over and turn it off. And he's like, you know, four or five minutes late. He's a busy guy. I'm not going to blame right. him. But I got right. cleaning lights on while the movie's now starting. Those classic opening credits. Yeah. 
And then I notice we are presenting in a, I'm going to be polite and say the wrong aspect ratio of the film okay. where we've okay. got some stuff caught off the sides. All right. Okay. And then I notice, wow, this, this is a really kind of hazy, fu- you know, fuzzy, dull picture. And I'm like, did they just like burn a DVD copy yeah. and then just, you know, stream that down from the satellite? It yeah. looked like crap. And there's like, you know, there's a UHD, a nice transfer that came out, what, a year ago? Two years mm-hmm. ago now? A year mm-hmm. ago? Last year, yeah. actually, they came out. And it looks great, but we couldn't bother with that. And I love in the beginning and at the very end, they have a commercial, not a commercial, but like a single image saying, buy the thing on digital or, um, you know, like Blu-ray now. I'm like, why bother? Why not sell it in Betamax? Why not sell it in VHS as well? Uh, The presentation, this was a disaster, man. How was yours? Did you have a better experience? Um, So it sounds like at least the beginning parts of your thing were more of an issue with AMC. So AMC was not showing it. I had to go to, is it Rave or Regal? It's one of those. I think it might be Regal. Maybe it's Rave. I don't know. Um, But the presentation there was fine. I didn't see anybody uh, getting their seat double booked. The house lights didn't stay on or anything like that. I didn't notice that it was in the wrong aspect ratio, but it could be that I just had not watched the thing in a long time. Mm -hmm. I actually have the UHD. I had just bought it probably about a month ago when it went on super cheap, but I have refrained from watching it knowing that I was going to go see this in a theater. I guess my one complaint would be that it didn't seem to be, I was expecting a much crisper presentation and it didn't look great to me. It was still fun to watch it in the theater, but you know, it made me question. I was really on the wrong side of the fence for even considering going to wrath of Khan. Um, but now I'm, probably not going to do it for sure no, no yeah i'm not i'm not going to do it either i'm not going to go see wrath but i'm sitting there man i'm like what's the point you know i, I was really <laughs> disappointed with this presentation just like you i was all excited for wrath of con i'm not going to go now i'm yeah. not i'm just yeah. going to watch my blu-ray maybe by that time that comes out that uhd will be put out uh, in you know mm-hmm. individually right now it's only a part of that first uh, three disc set sure. but really utter utter disappointment really crap yeah. presentation so it sucked. If anybody else went, I'm sorry you had that experience. I went online this morning to kind of see too, and there seemed to be similar experiences to mine. Uh, somebody I follow, and I'm blanking on that. It wasn't Robert Cargill. It was somebody else. But they basically, they, their image was shuddering at times. Wow. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine. I didn't have that, thankfully. Yeah. But uh, horrible. Absolutely horrible, folks. So Fathom, it's a pleasure doing business with you. Never again. I mean, is there anybody else that puts on these type of revivals? It seems like it's them and they're the biggest one in this space. Yeah, no, I think that's part of the problem. They seem to have a monopoly. Maybe that's what we do, Matt. We do a second feature or second run. The second run. And we <laughs> so just try and do this. But do the it second the right run way. by the first run? Yeah, so exactly. like we just do a separate presentation. So we'll do a thing. We'll just do all the ones that we want to do on UHD. Yeah, imagine, yeah. If we, if, imagine if you got to see this in the Dolby Theater mm. in, a, in a UHD disc. Mm-hmm. How that would all have looked? Yeah, I'm sure it's easy. I'm sure it's very cheap to run out the Dolby Theater. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Nothing. They give it away, basically. Yeah. All right. Did anybody else see the thing? Did you have a better experience than us? <sighs> Shoot us an email. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. I'd, I'd love to hear how the general audience uh, had that. All right, Matt. Let's talk about what's coming up on Blu-ray. Uh, I'll just say physical media. Uh, you know, your 4Ks, your Blu-rays, all that stuff. Did you see, too? I guess DVDs still out sale. Yeah. Um, Blu-rays. UHDs I get. 
All right. That yeah. seems to be more of a people like you and me who are collectors mm -hmm. and they want to... I think the DVD thing is, I think that's a, the Walmartification of stuff, is that Walmart is still the giant in the industry of yeah. selling physical media. And they're yeah. just a whole bunch of people, you know, in the middle of the country or whatever that don't bother with Blu-ray yeah. or uh, UHD. And even with the Blu-rays and the players being so much cheaper now, there's yeah, still some a ton of DVDs. You can get a Blu-ray player for like 60 bucks. Yeah, I know. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll start up uh, some type of uh, charity. You know, you can uh, donate <laughs> your DVD player, and we'll give yeah. you. So maybe it's just that you know DVD players are really just built to last. They just do not crap out very often. Blu-ray players for the people dot com. You can donate <laughs> your Blu-rays or some money. We can get some heart, some suffering families to upgrade their uh, systems. Yeah, because it's not. It has. No, it's not self-serving at all. Because we don't want uh, you know these formats to keep progressing, kind of thing. I'm so nervous that it's going to go jump from, if it jumps from the majority of people from DVD to digital streaming, we're yeah. done. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's just going to be your vinegar syndromes and your, your boutique arrows, you know, your labels that are going to be putting out these sets that are going to cost us $80 for a movie, right? To get it in yeah. physical media. And then the stream, like a lot, some Voodoo doesn't stream in 4k, um, yeah. you always have compression issues with like, you know, blacks are yeah. always a nightmare in dark scenes. It's, it's, uh, I see what'll be about. interesting is like, you know, I mean, everybody's starting to get 4k TVs now. They've, they've had 8k TVs out for a while. I think the, the max, the human eye can see is 12k. So like, I think that's as like, they can keep releasing the TVs, but you will not be able to perceive it any better than 12k. But, like, when you get to, like, 8K TVs, like, somebody like me, like, I understand how much bandwidth that takes. And, like, you know, your internet's, your ISP in almost every region of the country is not going to be able to kind of give you that throughput. So you're just no. wasting. That's why I want, you know, 4K games and I want 4K Blu-rays or UHDs because I bought the damn TV and I want it to do what it can do, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's. I, that's my only hope is that if they keep going up on TVs, which TV manufacturers will, they're going to have to be like, look, man, you're going to have to start putting out content that can match these TVs or people are going to stop buying them. No, that's entirely possible. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's actually talk about Matt, what's coming up on physical media. <laughs> I don't over. own this in Blu-ray. I only have it on DVD. So I may be upgrading it, but I, I'm not going to pay this initial price that Arrow is charging for this set that they're also releasing like I think two different steel books, a big deluxe set. It's, it's, it's crazy. Do you know who I am? Mr. Wally? I give up. Who are you? The antichrist. You got me in a vendetta kind of mood. You tell the angels in heaven, you never seen evil so singularly personified as you did in the face of the man who killed you. My name is Vincent Cocotti. I work as consul for Mr. Blue Lou Boyle, the man your son stole from. I hear you were once a cop, so I can assume you've heard of us before. Am I correct? I've heard of Blue Lou Boyle. I'm glad. Hopefully, that will clear up the how full of shit of my question you've been asking yourself. We're going to have a little Q&A. And at the risk of sounding redundant, please, Make your answers genuine. You want a Chesterfield? No. I'm Matt. I have always loved it. And it, 
I was pulling clips for the show and I was reminding because I hadn't seen this film in so long. Of course, that is true romance. Really, just the chocolate and peanut butter of movies. You have a script by Quentin Tarantino directed by Tony Scott. And that line delivery by Hopper when he says no. I mean, you just, it's just, it's perfect. And it's, it's, I was just reminded about how great the film is. I haven't seen it in a very long time. So it includes a 4K restoration of both the theatrical and the director's cuts, Matt. We have commentaries by Tony Scott, Tarantino, Slater and Arquette, uh, film critic Tim Lucas, select scene commentaries, including Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Brad Pitt, and Michael Rappaport. Uh, about five new interviews with cast and crew, some deleted scenes, an alternate ending, which includes commentary by Scott and Tarantino, and more. So, But they're putting out two different steelbooks, a couple different blues as well, um, and a UHD. So there are lots of opportunities. So make sure you research carefully before you pull the trigger on buying any one of these. Matt, will you be picking up the UHD of True Romance? I don't know. Again, I think my answer will always stay the same when it becomes the right price. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Also coming up uh, this upcoming Tuesday, June 28th, Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore. It includes a steelbook from Best Buy. Walmart has a mini suitcase replica of Salamander's suitcase. It's very small. Uh, and then Target has a 4K exclusive, which I think includes a 16-page Newt's Journal. Uh, that's also available in the Target exclusive Blu-ray. And both of them come with a 14-day free trial to HBO Max, the Target mm-hmm. releases. Nice. And one of the more, I can't say it's disappointing because I don't think we thought it was going to be good. But the new Firestarter, Matt, is being mm-hmm. released. And I think only in Blu-ray. I couldn't find any notifications of a 4K wow. disc on this. Wow. Includes a feature commentary by the director, an alternate ending, deleted and extended scenes, a gag reel, and a lot more for some reason. Sony is putting out Mothering Sunday. A maid living in post-World War One England, Matt secretly plans to meet with the man she loves before he leaves to marry another woman. RLJ Entertainment and Shudder is releasing the anthology series Horror Noir. Um, includes six horror stories from black directors and screenwriters. Uh, including Daddy, Bride Before You, Brain of Evil, The Lake, Sundown, and Fugue State. IFC Midnight is putting out Scene for Me. When blind former skier Sophie cat sits in a secluded mansion, three thieves invade the hidden safe. Sophie's only defense, Matt, is an army veteran named Kelly, and Kelly helps Sophie defend herself against the invaders and survive. Criterion is putting out, Matt, two really wonderful wonderful films in uhd this well i guess wonderful films is open to the uh interpreter but uh two uhd sets are coming out from criterion um first up john waters seminal classic pink flamingo uh, includes two audio commentaries as well as a new conversation between waters and jim jarmusch and some deleted scenes and alternate takes and on-set footage I know we did Pink Flamingos as part of our band marathon, and I think I rather enjoyed it. And you were lukewarm, what we said? I was, yeah, I think it's fair to say lukewarm would be my reaction to that film. Um, and I should say, I don't think it's, you'll have to forgive me. I may have been wrong about this. It's not a UHD. Uh, Criterion is putting out a new 2K master uh, Blu-ray of Worst Person in the World, one of our favorite films from last year. Um, I think my second favorite film of 2021 is coming out with a new interview with a director and stars, some on-set footage and deleted scenes. We talk about Arrow's release of True Romance. Oh, oh boy. Are you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. I have not. I'm very proud of myself. I did not pull the trigger on this. It's on sale for $20 in 4K. One of my favorite films. I'm going to wait though, because Kino Lorber tends to have some pretty good sales. 
but they are putting out a UHD and a Blu-ray of Out of Sight. My favorite Soderbergh film, uh, George Clooney, uh, Jennifer Lopez. A wonderful little movie. A brand new 4K restoration from the original camera negative. A Dolby Vision HDR grade supervised by the cinematographer Elliot Davis. Audio commentary from Soderbergh and screenwriter Scott, Scott Frank. And the Blu-ray comes with a documentary on the making of the film as well as some deleted scenes. Nice. What's your price point for that one, Matt? I, I don't think you don't share my, the affection I have for Out of Sight, right? You like it, but you're not like. Yeah, I don't love it like you do. But I will be. I think I saw it kind of at the. And again, it's important to remember it doesn't really matter that much now. Uh, mm-hmm. But Chris is a little bit older than me, which at the Ugh, time when boo. some of these movies came out, I was probably less sophisticated. So I was kind of in the Tarantino mold because they kind of came out around the same time as kind of Tarantino really broke through with Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And I think I was expecting something a little more crimey, that kind of crime wave Tarantino violent stuff that you kind of saw in a lot that were coming out the copycats. And when I didn't get that, I didn't really love it. So maybe I need to revisit again. Maybe I will love it as a a a learned, uh, sophisticated man that I am these days. <laughs> it is very cool. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Kino Lorber is also putting out Film Noir, The Dark Side of Cinema. This set includes Big House USA, A Bullet for Joey, He Ran All the Way, Storm Fear, and Witness to Murder. A couple Eddie Murphy movies from Paramount being released on Blu-ray, Harlem Nights, and Boomerang. They're also putting out First Wives Club. Um, one of the Asian horror films I always wanted to watch, but I never got around to it, is getting a re-release in physical media. Yuzumaki, also known as Spiral. Kiri is a young schoolgirl. She first notices, Matt, the phenomena when she encounters her boyfriend's father maniacally videotaping a snail crawling up a wall. Later, her brooding beau, Sachuchi, reveals that the odd behavior goes further. His father has filled an entire room with various spiral objects. Well, for long, this growing madness leads to a series of gruesome and unbelievably bizarre deaths. So, I did not realize that, that was, they had made a movie out of that. So that is a manga by this guy named Junji Ito, who is a crazy person. I read that, and it is creepy as all hell. And I don't usually like, you know, manga, but, um, man, I need to check that out. And they're also making a, an animated series of that on, you know, the Adult Swim on, on Cartoon Network when it uh, turns to adult programming late, late at night. Man, I'm going to have to check that out, because if it's even half as creepy as that, uh, as that comic was, holy crap, I, oh, wow. you're in for a treat, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I, back when I was in my Asian horror phase, you know, after the what the Ring and the Grudge came out, I started mm. diving into all that stuff, and yeah. that one was one I always wanted to catch up with, but I never did. Yeah. So, oh, that we're definitely gonna have to now. Yeah. Severin is putting out Mardi Gras Massacre, the brand new 2K restoration and a reconstruction from the best surviving film elements. Police try to capture someone who's committing ritual murders of women during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Oh, good. Thanks for putting out the New Orleans part. Severin is putting out, hey, stop stabbing me. Recent college graduate Herman Schumacher has just taken up residence in an apparently great house with apparently great roommates. But all is not well. Why did the roommate Herman replace to leave all of his stuff behind, Matt, as though he's never left? And why did the rest of the roommates assume he joined a cult? And why is there a makeshift tombstone with his name on it in the backyard? And what's the deal with the monster that's stealing Herman's socks and living in a giant labyrinth under the house? As Herman searches for the answers, he'll learn that you can only be found on a path that leads to sex, murderous murder, murderous murder, hole digging, and a battle to the death. I think it's supposed to be kind of like a gonzo spoof of uh, horror films. I've heard of this before. Hey, stop stabbing me. 
Um, but I can't remember if I heard it was good, bad, or whatever. I just remember hearing about it, and it sounded interesting. It includes an uh, introduction by the director, co-writer Josh Miller, as well as the co-writers and some actors. Uh, Stop stabbing me after all these years, a cast and crew reunion. and includes a bonus feature, Sledgehammers at Dawn, and more. A couple of the short films included as well. Magma Head, Big Hit Little Fish, Free Chair, and Special Studies Film 2. Matt, it is unfortunately that time of the month. Vinegar Syndrome is putting out all of its partner releases. So, working with Culture Shock, they're putting out The Night Ripper. Working with uh, Subaculture Entertainment USA, they're putting out Out of Order. Agfa and Vinegar Syndrome are putting out The Final Flesh. Label Decanalog and Vinegar is Air Doll. Working with Darkstar to put out Potato Dreams of America. Saturn's Core and... Vinegar Central putting out Red Lips. They're working with partner label Factory 25 for Superior. Canadian International Pictures to put out Forbidden Love. Deaf Crocodile. And then we're putting out the time-bending mysteries of Sharam Makri. Working with TerraVision to put out Video Violence 1 and 2. Pulp Video. And then we're putting out La Brue del Pantan. I think I nailed that one. Working with Alternate Innocence to put out Apocalypse After. And then finally, Utopia Distribution, Polystyrene, I Am a Cliche. All being put out with Vinegar Syndrome's partner labels. Your straight to DVD pick of the week, Matt. I'm going to go with Game of Survival. Mm. Seven criminals, prisoners, and slaves are sent down to Earth to hunt for the ball and hunt each other for it. The all-powerful creatures who rule the galaxy watch these games of survival for sport. The winner of the games will be granted their freedom. Which of these seven deadly men will secure the ball and survive until noon? Include some bonus features, including an introduction by the director, full of commentary, some interviews with the uh, actors and filmmakers, and more. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? Oh boy, I don't really know. So I was looking around, and um, you know what? I'm going to suggest that maybe you get your uh, secret agent on, and you can pick one of two franchises that are mostly, if not all there, and in some in different places. If you want to go the Chris route, uh, James Bond, almost all of them, is available on Amazon Prime for your viewing pleasure. You can start with Sean Connery, run all the way through to Daniel Craig, with a few misses here and there, um, like Spectre is not available um, on Amazon Prime, but you can track it down in other places like FX, things like that. Um, I think Casino Royale is on Netflix, as well as it, um, Quantum of Solace are both on Netflix right now. I think, and I'm pr- but I'm pretty sure that they're still on Amazon Prime. Um I think you still can still see those. In any event, if you don't want to watch those, maybe Tom Cruise running is more your speed. Um, watch You can watch all of the Mission Impossibles on Paramount+. Plus. If you don't have Paramount+, Plus, as probably a lot of people don't, you can catch certain ones of them on things like Netflix. I know the first one. I know uh, Rogue Nation is available on Netflix. You can track them down in different places. But I've been kind of uh, running the series of... Um, Mission Impossible in, in anticipation of the ones that are coming up early, later in the year. So, you know, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, but they certainly improve. A series that definitely improves over time. And its latter half is much better than its first half. I think I have some bad news for you. What's that? Mission Impossible doesn't come out until next year. Oh, it doesn't come out until next year. Yeah, they push. All right. Out. Well, I'm going to watch it anyway. I'm already committed. There you go. Good for you. Yeah. All right, folks. Let's keep rolling and spend a few minutes to talk about cha cha, real smooth. Let's guess it's a dance. That's how old I am. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. It's a thing they do at weddings and bar mitzvahs. I guess, mm-hmm. right? Right. Did you ask right. your brother about tonight? Um, no, I forgot. Ask me what? 
to take me to a bat mitzvah party. Well, where is this little punk? Space events in Inglewood. Thank you, little punk. It's Kath's daughter, Phoebe, Macy's sister. Kath hates me right now, so I'm not going to go, but I sent money. Is Macy in town? Yeah, I saw her at the service. I told her you were here. We should go. She'd be thrilled. Would that cramp her style? No. No. Do you have a crush on Phoebe? No. If she looks anything like Macy, you're a fucking liar. Language, buddy. Hmm? It's fine, Greg. He doesn't have crushes. He has a girlfriend. Shut the hell up. (laughs) You have a girlfriend? Girlfriend and puberty? Puberty and a girlfriend? Yeah. (laughs) Margaret. (laughs) (laughs) Mar... Fuck off. No, uh -uh. No, Andrew. We're not in a two-lane dormitory right now, okay? Yes, you're right. Sorry. We're in a six-year-old's bachelor pad. No cursing. I'm just kidding. Kidding. Oh, it's kind of like you, Matt. (laughs) Sardonic yet charming all at the same time. Man, I've never been accused of such a thing. I feel like that's of the two of us, that's you. Well, you know. (laughs) So Cha-Cha Smooth, written, directed, and starred by Cooper Rafe, uh, is about a young man. He is, what, aimless, a bit adrift after graduating Mm -hmm. from college. His girlfriend, excuse me, I guess I should say his lover, as he refers to her, uh, has gone to Barcelona to... uh, (laughs) Go to school. She's a Fulbright scholar. And he's kind of just not trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life. He kind of gets involved in... He's a good party starter guy, right? So he kind of falls into this thing where he hosts all these bar mitzvahs and gets everybody rocking and such. But he's trying to figure out where he is. And then he meets one of the mothers of one of the children who attends one of these parties, played by Dakota Johnson, Mm -hmm. who I will be polite and say I have been lukewarm on for most Mm -hmm. of her career. Sure. And uh, he develops an affection for her. They have an interesting relationship as she is engaged to be married. And it's about kind of his growth over this, what, summer, week, month, year? I'm not quite sure. Not that it really even matters. Matt, we've seen, I don't know how many coming-of-age movies on this show since we started it. This is yet another entry in the genre how does this one feel to it? Does it breathe any fresh air, fresh life into the genre? Or is it like, yeah, oh, good, coming of age. So he meets a girl, check, learns a lesson, check, uh, falls in love, falls out of love, finds out who it really is, check, check, check. Well, so there's a lot there. There's a lot there to unpack. So first, um, I would say that there are different types of coming of age stories. It depends on what age you're coming into. Like if uh, eighth, eighth grade, grade is a coming yeah. of age stomach as a story, but that's a different, you're coming into a much different age than someone who is, just graduated college, doesn't really know what to do, has been going to school their whole life, and they're just kind of drifting. I think we've seen that story before, yes. Uh, I think the particulars are, um, you know, different from here, from, you know, one-to-one, but I think the main beats are always the same. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that it's relatively true to life. I mean, maybe not exactly, but a lot of people kind of experience these things, so I think you're always going to get these kind of stories, because write what you know, right? Um, especially from young filmmakers, this one was fine. There were parts of it that I really enjoyed. There mm-hmm. are parts of it where I really enjoyed the performances. There were parts that effectively made me cringe and I was kind of waiting for something awful to happen. And right. Nothing really awful happened. I mean, stuff that was kind of a bummer happened, but it wasn't like some massive, you know, event that ruined everybody's lives or anything like that, which I kind of appreciated. And I think at the end of it, I think ultimately... Our character, you know, Andrew, he made some mistakes, he learned some things, and he grew. And I think that's, I think the way it kind of turned out, I thought was 
refreshingly mundane in the way it turned out. I think uh, I think I appreciated that about it. That's interesting. Yeah, I think you're 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 just about right on that, man. It's. I was worried that Rafe was going to kind of fall into the self-auteur trap, right? Mm-hmm. Because he wrote, directed, and stars in the film. Right. And you can get a little indulgence by your creator in scenarios <coughs> like this. Zach Braff. <coughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that Rafe does a relatively good job balancing that, and it doesn't really fall victim to that trope at all. Mm-hmm. And I think he does a really good job balancing some things while not balancing other things. Mm-hmm. So, like, I will applaud a couple things. One, I did not instantly withdraw from Dakota Johnson in this film um, as Domino. <laughs> Normally, I do. There's something yeah. about her that I just don't find appealing as an actor. I mm-hmm. don't know what it is. I just don't. Yeah. And I thought she really was quite good in this. And I applaud her portrayal of Domino because people are messy, Matt. And I think that can be a beautiful thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that as her as Domino is also having her own kind of internal crisis at the moment. And she acts out in ways that perhaps aren't appropriate. And I think, so I appreciated that though. I think it is, I don't think if odd is the right term, but I think that Rafe does an interesting job of deceptively making her very attractive and sexy in this film mm-hmm. because he shoots her a lot of times with like exposed legs or with tight clothes and interesting angles where she's leaning over or she's, you know, I don't know. It was just, I found it interesting that he subtly was able to kind of portray her as this kind of sexual being for Andrew, Mm -hmm. as well as he's trying to kind of struggle through with what he wants and what he's, what he's doing in their, we'll say interesting relationship between the two. Right. Right. And uh, also I think one of the big interesting turns that I'm, I at times I, f- I was worried it was going to feel cheap, but I think in the end doesn't is Domino's fiance, mm-hmm. right? Played by rule Castilla. And he has an interesting relationship. I don't know if that's the right word with Andrew as well, because he sees, I guess himself in Andrew and he knows exactly what he's doing within his family dynamic. And it feels the way, in- what the way that Rafe shoots this thing is that, he's going to have this big kind of potential violent confrontation with him, mm-hmm. which doesn't happen and turns into potentially a sweet moment. And there's another thing too, where Andrew, I think this is what you may have been referring to where he's driving when perhaps he shouldn't be yeah. right. They kind of set this up for some big cataclysmic traumatic event that doesn't happen. Right. right? I think he deceptively subtly, um, what just upsets are our expectations yeah. for what's going to happen in the movie and it ends up though sometimes feeling a little cliched still feeling at times for me how do i put it like relievingly authentic like i'm like oh okay okay that works for me that's good yeah 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 i mean i think i completely agree with you i mean there's comments about drinking several times so you think he's there's going to be some kind of drunken tragedy right or something that's just awful or he's going to get into this physical confrontation with the the fiance or the fiance is going to do something to the kind of dakota johnson's character in domino or something like that or that you know they've kind of laid the groundwork that his mother played by leslie mann has is bipolar and there's going to be because he's so focused on what he wants he's not really focused on you know the stuff at home and something awful is going to happen to her and i kind of appreciate that he kind of puts all these little landmines out there that exist for real people, but they don't 
have these big dramatic things that happen. It's like they almost play out like they would in real life. Like you can tell that Domino and her fiance are fighting, but it's not like it kind of boils over into this, you know, knockdown drag out relationship or violent yeah. thing. So I don't know. I kind of appreciated those things that he laid out there. And I think at the end of it, I mean, where he ends up, you know, I think, will he be there forever? I don't know. But I mean, at least it shows that he's kind of moving forward with his life. So yeah, I think, uh, I think ultimately it works. I think it, it avoids a lot of the pitfalls, even though he kind of speaks in that kind of shorthand filmic language that you're used to seeing in these type of films. But um, he kind of makes it his own thing and kind of makes it more true to life, which I appreciate it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think Rafe does a really good job in this film. I think he comes up to the line of writing himself to be too clever and too charming. But I don't think he ever truly crosses it. And I think everything, can, like you said, he avoids stepping on the landmines that he sets up even for himself in the film. Right. And it doesn't feel like a Chekhov's gun scenario. Like, well, you introduce all this stuff, but none of it ever actually kind of hits. Right. And you don't feel disappointed. You feel more relieved. Yeah. And I don't know, then it gives this film an almost kind of fantasy feel to it, where I feel, feel like in real life, at least one of those landmines would have been stepped on at some point. You think so? <laughs> so, uh, but in the end, Matt, I'm going to give Cha-Cha Real Smooth a B. You know what? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a B as well. Your tolerance for sad 20-somethings may be uh, you know, trying <laughs> to find their place in the world, maybe low, but I think ultimately this is a better example of, of the genre. Can I ask you this? Did you Please. see his first film, Shithouse? I, I have, have not. not no. Okay. Neither have I. Have you? No. no, I haven't. I was curious to get your take on it if you had. I am curious to see it now after watching this, though. Mm. So we'll have to see. It's got a pretty high rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 94% based on 72 reviews. Okay. So maybe we'll uh, work that in at some point. Add it to the list. To the list. The ever-growing list. I have to actually start that damn list and put it on the website. <laughs> If you had a chance to see Cha Cha Real Smooth, it is playing in independent theaters now and is available on Apple TV Plus. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Apple TV Plus, Matt, is very clever because I have not canceled that yet because I barely watch it. But they also only charge you five bucks a month. I know. It's very it's very affordable. That's how they get you. Yep. Unlike any other product that Apple puts out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. It seems like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I really get you is you buy a new Apple product or something and they're like, oh, you get three months free. And then the three months passes and they just start charging you five bucks. And you're just like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, I watch it every now and again. It's I'll keep it. Exactly. You know, what the heck? Um, I got that third and potentially final season of Ted Lasso coming up. I'll just sit yeah. tight. Yeah. Insidious. Insidious Apple. And that's what they do. All right. If you had a chance to see it again, feedback at thefirstrun.com, Matt. Let's keep rolling. Let's close up the show mm -hmm. and spend a few minutes talking about our five favorite Pixar characters. Long, dramatic pauses. Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills. When life gets you down, you know what you got to do? I don't want to know what you got to do. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Dorino singing. Ha, 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 Dory. I love to swim. And Dory. When you want to swim, you want See, to See, I'm going to get stuck now with that song. Now it's in my head. Sorry. So, Matt, that, of course, is Dory from Finding Nemo. Didn't make the cut for me. Probably my number six. Uh, there are a big fan of Dory's out there. Yeah, she didn't She didn't make the cut for me either. Also an audible mention. There you go. All right, I'll start everything off. Matt, we'll give you the ultimate number one. My number five is, makes I think his only appearance in Toy Story 4, featuring John Wick himself, Kahanu Reeves, 
as Duke Kaboom, Canada's greatest stunt, what, motorcycle driver, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Uh, and there's just a, a strange purity about that character that I just absolutely loved. So I know it's a kind of a minor character throughout the entire Pixar oeuvre. Yeah. But I just love Reeves's voice work in uh, that film. So Duke Kaboom's my five. Yeah, Duke Kaboom is a lot of fun. I think if we did like what are your favorite minor Pixar characters? You would definitely be pretty high up on the yeah. list for me. Um, yeah, that's a good one. All right. So my number five is, I guarantee you, not even going to be an honorable mention for Chris, um, because I enjoyed this film a lot more than he did. Uh, but I am talking about the brothers Lightfoot, Ian and Barley, played by, who God, who even plays those? Chris Pratt. Is it Chris Pratt and uh, Tom Holland and um, the D and D Fest Onward? Um, I quite I forgot enjoyed... all about that film. Already. Yeah, yeah. I really like Onward. I know Chris didn't think very much of it. I have a much better connection to it, and I think the last like ten minutes of that, where the kind of emotional beats, is a real gut punch of a Pixar delivery. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that film, and I thought they were a lot of fun in it. Yeah, that's good. No, man, I had forgotten all about that damn movie. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. All right, Matt. I'm going to then go with my number four. I'm going to go with Carl Fredrickson in the sublime, the heartbreaking, and heartwarming Up. I think mm-hmm. one of Pixar's best films, voiced mm-hmm. by Ed Asner as the recent widower who basically goes on the adventure of a lifetime um, after his wife passes. That I'm telling you, man. But the opening of Up is one of the saddest pieces of animation I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life. Right up there with, for me, and this is probably sacrilege, like Grave of the Firefly is sad. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's my number four is Carl Fredrickson from Up. Yeah, man, Up is, Up's a tough one. That first, yeah. oof, that's a gut punch. Another gut punch. All right, so my number four then, again, is a lesser a lesser loved Pixar film, but I, I disagree with that. And it's Joe Gardner from Soul. I think Soul is mm. an incredibly interesting film. I think it has a lot of really interesting things to say in the kind of growth journey that Joe goes on. I just was so impressed that they threw all this kind of metaphysical philosophy stuff into this little kids movie, you know, theoretically. Um, And they kind of really went out there more than Pixar usually does. And I really applaud the effort and soul always will have a special place for me. And I think uh, Jamie Foxx, Joe Gardner really pulled it off. Yeah. That's a great pick. Honorable mention for me. Uh, My number three is again, uh, I'm gonna upset probably some people, but it's it's Woody. It's number three is Woody for me. Tom Hanks, pretty much what the flagship character in the Pixar universe outside of the lamp itself. Yeah. Um, when you think of Pixar, I think you think of either Woody or Buzz, mm. and of course Woody being the the tops for me. Tom Hanks imbuing so much purity, love, and and just earnestness. Really, just if Tom Hanks were a toy, it would be Woody. So um, true. Yeah, he's my number three. Well, my number three is John Goodman as Sully in the original Monsters, Inc. I'm not talking about Monsters University, which my daughter was super into when she was really young. So I've seen Monsters University a lot. But uh, Monsters, Inc., I think is quite good. Um, I like Mike Wazowski. He's good as the comic relief, who is an honorable mention for me. But I think the obvious heart and soul of that film is Sully. And I think that's really the one you got to connect with. And his relationship with Boo is just lovely. Yeah, all three of them really, Mike, Sully, and Boo, are wonderful characters, and they're all, mm. all honorable mentions for me. My number two then, Matt, is probably the saddest death, I think, of any Pixar okay. character. Okay, and, yeah. uh And I think is because it represents kind of what, your loss of innocence in your childhood. 
yeah. and that's Richard Kind's Bing Bong from Inside <laughs> yes. Out. Uh-huh. Uh, just a wonderful, joyful character, and he was the what the imaginary friend, right, of yeah, Riley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, just once he disappears forever, I was absolutely devastated. <laughs> and but I just I think what it is, it's it's, it's what he represents is why yeah. I connected with him as much as I did. Yeah, so, uh, that's why Bing Bong ended up being my two. Poor Bing Bong, such mm-hmm. a such a traumatizing death. People are going to be talking about how about how. The death of Bing Bong really messed them up when they were kids. Let's say um, I'll, I'll be bringing it up with my therapist this week. <laughs> um, all right, so my number two then is Chris's number three uh, is Woody, um, played by Tom Hanks. Yeah, he is the heart and soul of the Toy Story franchise. Even though Buzz drives a lot of the action, and I think the kind of character journey that Woody goes through from the first one to the last one, especially as he's being given away by Andy for uh, the last time, and they're walking away. Man, there's a lot of there's a lot of cutting onions in that theater when that comes on. Grown yeah, man absolutely. sniffling. <laughs> <laughs> so, then my number one, I think, is, is going to be probably mine as well. But it's going to be the trash compacting robot <laughs> that is Wally. Yeah. To not really be able to vocalize anything, just a beep boop boop beep kind of sounds. Not socks boop boop boop, which I think is hilarious <laughs> from Lightyear, yeah. but. Wally is again. I thought to, I mentioned it with Woody, and just about the purity of the the character's soul is just so relevant, and so apparent in this film, and his relationship and his love for for Eva, uh, mm-hmm. and how he's able to emote with just what the 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 his eyes moving up and down, and the little yeah. flaps and yeah. everything. That scene in space with the fire extinguisher as he's having his space dance with Eva, yeah. and everything. I just my all time favorite character, my favorite Pixar film. It's yeah. Wally. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that is the correct answer. I think you've heard it here. It's the two of us are the authority on what is good, what is and isn't appropriate. So um, Wally is the correct answer, and I obviously the first whatever it is 10 15 minutes where it's basically a silent film is pretty was pretty bold and what they were able to kind of convey just through the emotions of a robot that can't really speak and what was the movie he was watching was it hello dolly or was it uh or singing in the rain yeah. which one was it hello dolly oh, it was hello dolly yeah i mean i know i know once that happened i know chris was sold i know that was <laughs> suddenly became his favorite uh, pixar film yeah no it's really gets in the feels every time just pure joy and love and just an emotional i don't know just fills you up with love so well yeah that's a good amount any other honorable mentions for you uh yeah dory mike wazowski um i think merida from brave is pretty good i think brave gets shit on a lot too um Mm -hmm. so i think that's i think it's a better film than people give it credit for yeah, uh, I would throw in Buzz. Um, what else here? Uh, the the what is it, Crush? The Surfer Turtles from Finding Nemo. <laughs> yeah, I always yeah, had a lot yeah. of fun with. Yeah, they're good. Um, Edna Mode, who did the uh, costumes in The Incredibles. Yeah, uh, what else? Doug, you know the dog from Up. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed Ken in Toy yeah. Story Four. Was that was it four? Right? Or was it three? I think that was three. Three. I think maybe I'm not sure now. I don't know. Michael Keaton. Voice, though. Yeah, voiced by Michael Keaton. You mentioned yeah. Joy Gardner, Joe, and then of course Forky. I got a weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Very what good. are your five favorite Pixar characters? Man, we blew through this one. Good times. Shoot us mm-hmm. an email at feedback at the first run.com. 
Matt, what are we going to be discussing next week? Do you um, know? We are discussing uh, Ethan Hawke and the Black Phone, which is apparently getting a ton of buzz for a for a horror film. Now, I haven't read any. I've only watched the the trailer like one time. I haven't read mm-hmm. any of the buzz, so I'm going into this pretty blind. So I'm hoping it's about as good as I can see it is. It's on the commercials. And uh, something called Mad God, which I know nothing about. Which is uh, streaming on Shudder right now. So. Okay. Good times. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us. Head over to thefirstrun.com. You can find archives of all the old shows as well as our letter grades and more. And uh, what else? Go over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. Matt, there has been movement in the uh, Screen Run universe. Oh. So um, we'll see. Um, there was a little Twitter exchange yesterday. Oh, so, was there? Um, hopefully we'll be uh, getting that ball rolling very shortly. Everything's basically kind of plotted out. It's gotcha. now just a matter of scheduling, getting guests, and the like. So, nice. uh, But we should see some movement there soon. I'm pretty so excited. We're going to go ahead then. Take a little extendo breako. Everybody take care of yourselves. We love you very much, and we'll see you soon. First time being around? You're doing great. Just smile, Loretta, so you don't look like you're being held up. You got a very pretty smile. <laughs>